You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 64. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hi, this is Ed from the Business Marketing Show. Welcome to another episode. Uh, I have my co-host Brendan Tully on the call as well. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Ed. You weren't quite sure there who you were for a second. No, I wasn't quite sure. I sometimes forget. Uh, and we have a special guest on the podcast today, uh, John Blake from Sales Breakthrough Solutions. Uh, John is one of the top sales guys in Australia. Uh, for for training and teaching, and he's been in the the, the sales uh, industry for 27 plus years, and lots of great uh, experiences to share with us on the podcast and uh, help you guys who are listening with some absolute gold nuggets. No no pressure at all, John. But uh, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Great to be here. So, mate, sales is one of those things that um, a lot of people uh, sort of forget about. Uh, they don't realize that nothing happens until a sale is made. And uh, the, the word sales and marketing gets bandied around a lot, particularly with, with online and, and various things. So when we first met and started talking, I was thinking, yeah, this is an area that we really need to include on our podcast because uh, a lot of people are afraid of sales. They don't know how to sell. They have misconceptions of what it is. They think of, you know, People who are, you know, snake oil salesmen, dodgy people, car sales, real estate agents, everyone gets bundled into an, a good or not so good um, comparison of what, what they think they are. So we'd like to dispel some of those things today and uh, let people know how they can actually use the process of selling to improve their businesses and and, uh, and make more money at the end of the day. So. So, so give us a bit of a uh, bit of a background as to how you got started in sales. Yeah, no worries. Well, the I I, I started in sales. I was sponsored for competitive surfing by Rip Curl, and I obviously was excited and and was you know such a zealot around the sport of surfing. The guy that sponsored me rang one day and asked me if I wanted to go and have a chat to him about working there. And in the conversation, I was like 17 years old and, you know, here I was, this sort of just mad sort of keen surfer. Yeah. And I'm sure he said something about working with 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 clients and, and selling and all the rest of it. But quite frankly, all I can ever remember hearing in that conversation was you're going to get free wetsuits and surfboards and <laughs> yeah. backpacks and stuff like that. And to and a 17-year-old, so, whoa. Yeah, me. you know, like so I'm fresh yeah. out of school, 17 years old, and, and quite literally it took me three years before I even realized that what I was doing was, was actually, was, you know, was, was a sales and marketing type role. And right. it was interesting because all my friends were at university and I'd see them at the pub and, and you know, I'd be, you know, I had money and they didn't because they were studying. and and I'd say to them, you know, what, you know, you know, they'd say, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm working for Rick and Quicksilver. And they'd say, well, and I'd say, what are you doing? And they'd say, oh, we're, we're doing a marketing degree. And in the back of my head, I'd be thinking, geez, I wonder what that is. You know, I kind of felt, <laughs> felt, felt stupid because I didn't actually know what 
that actually yeah. was. And, and, you know, three, four years down the track, I realized that that's, you know, what they'd been learning theoretically is what I'd actually been doing in practice. So, yeah, um, yeah. I know which one I'd rather have the experience of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look, we, we, we get graduates that come, would come into the agency and they'd say, you know, we want to sit in on a showing, you know, so we would have a range of, you know, rip curl, the, the, the rip curl summer range or the, or the quicksilver summer range. And, and we would sit there with a client and we would show them the range and take an order. And we'd have a graduate sitting in, in the show, showroom with us. I remember this one guy, I finished a, a showing and the client left and, and the graduate said to me, there is absolutely nothing that I have learned in the last four years that would even remotely prepare me for what I just saw then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He literally said that to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've, I I've like, heard wow. that so many times, mate. It's, it, yeah. it, is, it is quite scary. I, I think only now are they even getting close to uh, having some sort of curriculum that closely resembles the real world in terms of what they're learning at universities for sales and marketing. Yeah. And boy, that's probably upset a few people, but it's just true, particularly if we're talking about uh, direct sales or anything related with that. Um, it's yeah, it's a very a very different world. So, okay, so so when you sort of came around to the realization that you were actually selling things, you weren't just there looking pretty and surfing. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw okay. So what? went through your mind what did you you start processing from that point well I, I started to realize that the that that one I I was able to to get a, you know pretty good results with it um, a, a lot of the results I got were, were pretty much trial and error that the guy that I worked for in fact you know back then you know a, a lot of the the roles you know, when I left there I moved to Sydney I had um, you know, a couple of different roles over there, including being national sales and marketing manager of a sunglass company from when I was about probably 21 to, to sort of 25. Okay. And, yep. and um, through all those roles, you, you know, I never really had any training, you know, like I kind of was really thrown into the deep end in each, in, in each role. And so there was a lot of trial and error and a lot of mistakes that, you know, that I had to make along the road to, to getting good results. And, and so, you know, I left Sydney after growing Arnett. We were, we, I started out there. They were doing, only doing about 700 grand for the whole of Australia, Asia, and New Zealand. Right. And I, I started out there as national sales manager, and we, were, we went up to uh, 6.5 million in three and a half years, which was, which was so exciting, you know, at the age of sort of 23, 24, to, mm. be, part, to be a part of that. And then that company got sold to a big multinational um, company and I left there and moved back to Perth and I had the agency in WA for Havianas and Mambo and I was able to sort of double and triple the sales in all those, those brands. And wow. then what led me to, to here is I sort of got to a stage where I'd sort of been you know, in sales for 17 years and I'd sort of you know, been a sales manager, been a business owner, been a rep, got, you know, had, had you know, good results. And so I decided to set up a, a business and really become the person that I wish that I'd known in all of those roles when I was making all these, you know, mistakes and learning things the hard way. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. How so old were you at this stage? You were like, you were ancient, like in your mid twenties now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I tell that story. It makes me sound like I'm a hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, it's like 25. Was, you're still a baby. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, that was when I was around about 32. I, I set up the, the okay. consulting yep. business first with okay. a business partner, and then for the last six years, I've been running under my own under my own brand. But yeah, the the, the business I created was really me becoming the person that I wish that I'd known back then. Um, yeah. To help people to to really fast track their results. You know, so many people that I talk to, you know, similar to the example we're using about the marketing guy, that that become good at a particular skill, so they become a you know a really good engineer or a really yeah. even something as simple as becoming a really good dentist or a really good physiotherapist or whatever. But the inconvenient news that they are uh, you know have to to realise at some point is that you actually have to be able to have a conversation with somebody that is is more likely to result in them saying yes and coming on board with you as a client. You actually yeah. have to know how to. You actually have to know how to do that. And so, I like the way I like the way you put that. Inconvenient news. <laughs> it is. It's it's inconvenient. It's like well, you know, like I've just spent four years and invested, you know, like a, a average hex debt these days is, you know, can be up around sort of thirty, forty grand. Yeah. And then and it's like I've learned technically how to do this thing. What you mean? People aren't just going to beat a past at my door. You mean mm. I actually have to, like, um. You know, stoop. Because <laughs> for some people, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, I, I now have to stoop and become this kind of, you know, lowly, um, uh, unrefined salesperson to be able to to actually have success in this thing that I've just invested a truckload and of, of, of time and resources into into doing. And so, you know, often I get those people. You know, they sort of come to me and they, you know, I need to learn how to do this because it's 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 vital. To my success, it's, you know, not j- just being a good practitioner of something is not enough. Yeah, and and, 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 they, and they don't get told that at uni. No, they definitely don't get told that, and that's uh, you, you would think that that you know would would have changed uh, over the years, but it's, it seems like it's a slow transition into into that being reality. So, because Brendan and I come across that every day with the clients that we work work with, as no doubt you do as well. And uh, they just don't have a clue. And it, it sort of, I think it's sometimes a little bit unfair to expect them to because they've been so immersed in their craft or their their learnings or whatever they're doing that um, the skill of, of good sales and good marketing is a craft in itself. So why should they necessarily have that skill? So, but what it, I think it comes down to, they need to realize that they need to have have someone who does know that skill on their team and whether it's someone like yourself who they're contracting or outsourcing to get work done or whether they employ someone who's a salesperson uh, it can't be overlooked because as i said earlier nothing happens until a sale is made and if they don't have people coming in the door to get their teeth done or whatever it is whatever the business is then uh, they will soon cease to exist exactly it's funny, sales is still such a bad reputation. Like it's a, it's almost a dirty word, particularly for people who are like the the classic technician, like you said, that really good at their craft, and then they they kind of see sales as sleazy. And it, a lot of that probably, well, some of that's like just culture, but a lot of that is because they've had experiences with people who are bad salespeople. So they just, I mean, it's kind of a, a thing. If you feel like you're being sold, then it's you know the the. You, a good sales experience, you shouldn't really feel like you're being sold or you shouldn't walk away feeling dirty or like you had an experience <laughs> yeah. with a sleazy sales guy. Like that's that's not a good sales experience and that's not how 
that's you know, not a good salesperson, I guess. And a lot of people have based their perception of sales and marketing around like these sleazy experiences they've had with less than uh, optimal characters. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And, and the, I guess the lens through which I, I look at the, the whole sales experience is that it, for the most part, should feel invisible to the, the, the client and, and it should feel invisible to you too, even though that there is a, a, a framework and a structure that you're using. At no point should you ever feel like you're convincing somebody to do something against their best wishes or, 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 their, or their, their, you know, the, their, the best outcome for them. And at no point should the person that you're talking to feel like, like they're being sold. It should simply feel like a, like a really good conversation where there's an equal exchange of energy taking place. And at the end of that conversation, there's enough value that's been, that's been uncovered that, that makes it a very easy decision for that person to come on board. I mean, that's, you know, really the, the utopian outcome that, that I help my clients to try and create in, in building them a sales system, because that way, you know, everybody wins. The, the experience is intact, whether they go ahead or not. The reputation's intact, and and it's it's a it's a, simply a process of of uncovering value at that point. Yeah, yeah, so so true. Um, can you expand a little bit on? You mentioned the word sales processes or sales systems. I think you said. So, a lot of companies do not have anything even remotely resembling a sales process or sales system so can you expand on what that is so people who are listening to this go okay well what is what does that actually mean where, where do we begin in terms of having some sort of sales process well the I, I talk about the sales ladder and and down the you know bottom of the of, of the sales ladder there's there's companies that have no sales process and and in, in a business like that you can in most cases expect between a five and a 10% conversion rate. And mm-hmm. interestingly enough, there, there literally are businesses out there that one don't actually have a sales process and, or two, they, they have a sales process. Well, sorry, they, they, they don't have a sales process, but they have that conversion and their business is such that they can actually make a 5% conversion rate work. <laughs> Like the numbers actually allow them to exist with yeah. a five with a five percent conversion rate, which yep. which is you know which is just incredible. So so that in most cases those those businesses have have no sales process whatsoever. Um, the 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 level above that on the on what I call the the sales conversion ladder is a company that has an ineffective sales process. So they might have something that's sort of loosely based on on something that was created a long time ago, but not many people are kind of using it so it's it's ineffective and that'll give you a between a sort of 10 and to a 15 percent conversion rate the level above that on the ladder is is a generic process so it might be someone read a book or went to a zig ziglar seminar or a tom hopkins seminar and and they've mm-hmm. applied something that's that's fairly generic so there's, there is a structure in place but it's not particularly ef- effective and you can in most cases in, expect about a say 15 to 30 percent conversion rate uh, with a generic sales process, and often people ask me and say, "Well, look, you know, what's the average conversion rate? You know, what's a sort of average benchmark?" And it's around about twenty to twenty-five percent would mm-hmm. be 
the average type conversion rate. Then above that, you've got something that's structured, so something that's been you know built specifically for that particular business that acknowledges the 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 context of the of the actual product. It acknowledges the context of of what the client knows you about you before they enter a conversation with you, and it and it's you know got specific questions that relate to your particular offering, and and a a process like that can give you between thirty and sixty percent, and then if you take that to the next level, you've got something that's been continually refined and continually tested and continually proven and evolved. And you can literally get between 60 and 90% conversion. You know, if, if you can put the focus on your process and continue to refine it, you can, you can evolve it to a point where, where you can get that type of conversion. And my, my wife's business, she has a uh, business in the health and wellness industry, and she bought this business and supposedly all these systems were in place, including a sales system. And we, you know, when she bought it, we looked at the, the sales system and we, we improved it. We, you know, mm. we changed, changed some of the dialogue around. We changed some of the questions and, and the order in which things happen, which are all important leverage points if you want to increase your conversions. And she, when she bought it, they were doing 40% conversion across all of the Google AdWords leads that they were getting. And now she consistently gets 80 to 90% conversion, which is which in a business like that, that she had to, you know, pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy, mm. has meant has meant that she's gone from from just sort of chipping away at her business loans to being able to ch- pay off large chunks of her business loans and really fill up her bank account so that she can actually start to employ the right amount of people, you know, um, spend more money on promotions, in- increase the the level of client experience that that people get when they, um, you know, when they when they become a client. So it's, um, mm. you know, it's, it's a total game changer if you can, if you can make that tweak. Um, and, and, it, and it's not costing you any, any extra in terms of advertising. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. So you, in terms of those percentages, because the, the majority of stuff that Brendan and I do is dealing with the, the online space. Yep. Um, so the, the conversion percentages you're talking about what sort of scenario is that? Are we talking about people who are making contact from online or is it um, in-person sales contacts or people walking through the door of a retail store or all of the, all of the above? Well, you raise a really good point. Um, and it reminds me of an example of a client that I dealt with, a really high transaction size, high margin, like we're talking, you know, eight to $10,000 per, per unit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said to them, you know, what, what sort of conversion rate are you getting? And they said, oh, um, 25%. And I said, oh, that's cool. And I said, well, and, and we were talking about web leads. I said, so what's your conversion rate on your web leads? And he said, 25%. I said, how many web leads do you get per month? And he said, 200. And I, and I said, oh, awesome. So you're converting 50 out of the 200 web leads that you get. And he said, he said no, um, no, no, it's not 50. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, "It's actually only um, we only we only actually talk to fifty percent of those two hundred web leads that we get." Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, right. So what, what happens to the other fifty percent? Well, that was that's the logical question, right? It's like, so what are you doing? So, what are you doing on. with the other one hundred web leads that you're getting per? Right. Month? What are you, yes, what are you doing? Just, just to clarify this, the, the, for the say 
a number, they're getting 100 leads in, but yep. they're only physically talking to 50% of them. So, yep. yeah. So the other 50 have somehow fallen down a sinkhole somewhere or no one has bothered to call them or something like that. So what, expand on what happened from that point. Yeah. So, so I'm like, well, what do you do with the, you know, so t- tell me about the 50 that you don't get a hold of. And they said, oh, well, we ring them. And I go, okay. And then if you don't get a hold of them, what happens? And they said, oh, well, we, um, you know, we ring them again. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and what then? And then it's like, oh, well, you know, the, every sort of, you know, three months we might do a like a, a broadcast email that offers a sale. And I said, is that it? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, whoa. You know, because, I mean, all the data around follow-up, you know, it takes, you know, in, on average five to six times to actually connect with somebody and, yeah. and have, have that initial conversation. So, you know, massive amounts of, of, um, of money that, that are being left on the table, especially when you consider oh. there's like they, they were generating 200 web leads per month. So, were these, were these actually salespeople? Like, is this a, a sales team who's dealing with these leads or what, what's the story? Yeah. Do they not like yeah, yeah. money? Is that... The- <laughs> well, look, I, I just, I just think it was one of those, you know, one of those things that, that was, that had become just normal behaviour within that particular organisation, and and uh, having shone a light on it for them in previous, you know, in, in conversations that I that I had with them leading on from that, they were able to put some some systems in place to to be able to contact more of those people, you know, really based on our conversation that we had. So, um, you know, they, they made some changes, certainly leading on from that meeting. But, but up until that point, you know, it was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And that's a common thing. The, the, the scary thing about that is that is pretty typical or worse, uh, in, especially in dealings I've had with new clients and we look at their sales processes and what they've got in terms of their online marketing and what they're doing and, yeah, leaving a huge amount on the table and uh, just, but they don't know any, they don't know what they don't know. So no. it's only until someone like you comes along who says, okay, well, this is what we could actually do. Uh, make some changes. And it's typically not massive changes. It's not like completely disruptive to their systems. It's just, um, you know, making a, a, a few changes in the system that'll end up stopping that sort of that leakage. So, so can yeah. you, Give us some examples in that scenario. What uh, typically what you would recommend to do? Well, the first the first thing I do with a brand new client is you know there are some things that we implement with them that that tend to take uh, you know I, I would say that they're sort of medium term type strategies and then there's some longer term type strategies that we that we put in place. But the first thing we do is we say right you know what are you sitting on in terms of, of leads that either one, you haven't contacted or, or you haven't, you've tried to contact, but you haven't actually connected with mm. what, what are you sitting on in terms of leads that you've had a conversation with, but they haven't done anything yet. And, and we, we do what's called a client re-engagement strategy and we put some communication in place, a communication strategy in place to reconnect with people that have, inquired, had some sort of conversation but haven't done anything, yep. that's, nor- that's normally the lowest hanging fruit in, in any organisation is, is the people that have, that have had a conversation, that have been given some type of indication in terms of yeah. what type of direction they should go in, in yeah. terms of product, product or service, uh-huh. uh, but, ha- but haven't done anything. So we have a, 
a particular strategy that we that we use to engage some of those people, and that that, that can create massive results. You know, often that that can keep a client busy for months. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. doing that one thing, and then it's like, well, come on, let's do the medium to long term strategy. And it's like, oh no, we're still busy doing <laughs> dealing with all these people that have been re engaged. Um, and then the next lowest hanging fruit is is really the leads that that haven't been contacted. If there's a big list of those, um, and then and then usually along the same along the same um, timeline, or you know, I guess concurrently. We're working on their sales process so that when those conversations are taking place, we've got a better framework to to convert them. So uh, a client that I'm working with at the moment um, is they sell hearing aid devices, yeah. And we've been working on the process that 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 people go on when they enter because they're like a retail storefront mm-hmm. operation. So the process that someone goes on with the clinician. In terms of when, you know, the, the the hearing test, the questions that they're asked, um, you know, how how that particular conversation is framed at the front end. Yeah. So, so you know, one of the, as an example, one of the things is 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 making the person aware of the fact that we're going to actually give them an opportunity to try out a hearing device. So if you, unless you actually preempt that at the start of the conversation, mm. if, you, if you go and try and stick something in someone's ear, <laughs> <it's> like, yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. So exactly. you need, you know, and, and a lot of a lot of the reason why people don't don't end up buying is because there's some kind of, um, you know, they're not a hundred percent comfortable in the process. So if 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 there's something that you're going to do. That could potentially be a little bit unnerving for somebody. If you can pre-frame that at the front of the conversation, or, or we, we talk about framing, you know, one of the best things that you can do at the start of a conversation is to is to frame the conversation. So an example of a frame would be, you know, so we can work out if if we can help you or not. There's some questions that I'm going to go through with you, and then based on what you say, I'll make a couple of recommendations that are that are literally customised to your situation, and then you can make a decision one way or another as to whether you want to go ahead. So that's an example of a frame that takes a lot of that um, you know that pitch expectation away from from the conversation that you know that 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 I'm going to be pitched expectation yeah. that, pe- that that people come. And, and bring to a sales conversation based on some of those bad experiences that that they've had that we were talking about earlier on in the conversation. Yeah, if you can put if you can put a, a frame like that in front of what is going to happen in the conversation, then then you know you you'll have a, a more free flowing exchange of of information and energy uh, you know within that conversation. Yeah. You reminded me of uh, Oren Claff's book, Pitch Anything, which you've no doubt read. Yes, I have, and and that is a a, a classic example of it. I mean, his his is a, a, a you know contextually is, is is quite a different scenario. I mean, it you know, is that, that, yeah, that process yeah. that he uses is, is perfect for somebody who would be raising money, like a you know a fund manager or you know yeah. someone who's doing an IPO or a you know back end listing and yeah. and cruising around to fund managers, but but the the framing concept um, that he talks about is 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 particularly powerful and 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 is it's beautiful because you know there are 
lots of different contexts that you find yourself in in a, in a sales role. For sure. And the, and the, yeah. and the context typically uh, relate or, or needs to be shifted in terms of what they know about you before that conversation. Mm. So, you know, for, for your clients, I mean, you've got, you know, people that are coming to you uh, or, or the, the clients that you work with, if it's somebody who's referred, so yep. someone says, look, you, you know, you've, you've got to deal with, with Ed and Brendan. They are just incredible at, at lead gen. Don't ring hear anyone that? else. Hear that, Brendan? We're, <laughs> well, the, we're incredible. Everybody know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know what I mean? Like, so, 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 someone, right? so someone's, you know, someone's just about to call you um, and, and, and they're talking to one of your existing clients and your existing client says, "Look, don't Google, don't go on, don't go to a B and I and ask around. Just pick up the phone and ring Ed and Brendan. They are just yeah. incredible, right? So, so someone calls you to have that conversation. That's one context. Yes. Context number two: someone does a Google search for online advertising or mm-hmm. online lead generation, and you guys come up as a paid ad underneath." two or three other people and they ring you as call number three, well, that's a totally different context. So, yeah, very different. <laughs> because you are positioned totally differently in, in, in that, that second conversation as to the first conversation. So, yep. so all of those things need to be taken into consideration. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because it's a completely different process for each of the scenarios. So yeah. uh, like, typically, like I, I know our conversion rate for anything to do with uh, warm referrals would be 90%. Yeah. Um, because it, they're already pre-sold. They come, yeah. someone's recommended them. So very, very rarely do we not actually get some type of, you know, conversion or business from that moving forward. But yeah, different story. When it's a when it's someone from the internet, um, and again, depending on where they've seen you and how they've seen you, you have a different scenario. You've got to play a different game altogether. So yep. very, a- very good point. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a different level of of conversation that needs to take place at the front end before you get to a point where you are going to make any kind of recommendation as to what it is that they should do. Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the things we talk about, we've talked about in other episodes, and we talk about in workshops and with clients is the sales is like people play, have this broad brush that they paint it, sales with. That's, you know, it's the same regardless of what business is, but it's very different. Like a, we talk about, like the from our perspective, selling online marketing services, SEO, AdWords. It's very different for us. Whether the business is an e-commerce business, it's selling B two B, B two C. Whether it's a simple sales process or a long, a short simple sales process or a long complex sales process, and then if it's a, you know, if it's if the products are hundred dollar products, it's very different to selling a ten thousand dollar product. Um, so it's very like the sales process is completely different depending on all those different factors and the type of business. And it's a lot of the stuff that I'm sure you have these conversations Ed, that you get these calls through people want to rank number one. And it's interesting. The first question we have is, well, actually let's stop. What do you, what are you selling first? Like one of the first things we have customers do is make a list of the specific products and services they want to sell, which most people don't have. Then prioritize mm. it, and then look at a plan at, 
at the very basic level, you need a page of content on the website for every one of these products you want to sell because if you don't, if it's not online and you, you want to sell it online, no one can buy it if you're not, if you don't have content about it and you can't rank in Google. But it's very interesting that I think maybe the market, to a degree, I think the businesses and the market have been trained badly from the, you know, the, the old days, let's say, with the, the Yellow Pages <laughs> era where the yeah. Yellow Pages guy came to you once a year, you talked about a Yellow Pages listing, you signed a check for whatever it was, 30 grand, 100 grand or whatever, and then the problem went away and the phone rang and, you know, there was no online reviews. There wasn't a, a list of, you know, you Google something today, there's a list of 10 or 15 businesses. You're competing with all of those. You've got to deal with online reviews. Like the whole – it's – it's interesting that Completely the whole sales game. and marketing process needs to be kind of baked into the business, and I don't think a lot of people get that. I don't. I don't know what you see, John, in the marketplace. Like, what what you're feeling about that is? Well, I think if you've got a if you've got a marketing system that brings you people that are that you know that have that have been through five really powerful marketing touch points before you actually have a conversation with them. If if you have a marketing system, or if you have the luxury of of having a marketing system like that in place, then mm-hmm. the, then the sales conversation can be really really simple, and really really uh, you know high converting, and and if you have that situation going on in your business, then that's fantastic. And it's always interesting. I always have a bit of a chuckle when I see people who have got massive lists of people. And because they've got massive lists of people, they've created a, you know, they're really good at creating funnels and having, you know, um, 53 touch points before the, the you know, <laughs> the, the numbers allow them to have that before the client actually has a conversation with them. And yeah. then they, bra- they brag about sort of, you know, 90 and 100% conversion rates. <laughs> it's yeah, like, well, you know what I mean? It's like the yeah. person is so, so qualified, they're sort of, you know, ready to, um, do a break and break and enter to actually get into your business to talk to you. If you, you know, if you have that 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 setup, then that's fantastic. But not everybody has that. And and, and there are, is. you know, for for for, the, for most for the average business, they've got people who are referred. That's one context. They've got people who are coming to them via their website. That's another context. Um, they've got people on their database. That's another context. Mm-hmm. So. So you know that the, the way those inquiries are handled needs to be different to acknowledge the, the the different way that they've come to you. Yeah, exactly. And what we're doing now, a podcast, another great example of a fantastic touch point, uh, an authority builder. So there's there's lots of different things, and there, I'm, I'm assuming there's no sort of standard set of things you recommend to people to do because it's going to uh, vary on client to client. So, but just give us some examples of other things you you have clients do because we when we had coffee last time, you shared a, a really really cool example, and if you're happy to share it with the uh, the MP3 player, can you share that story with us? Oh yeah yeah absolutely. Well the, the the I mean there are essentially three things that I help clients to do. There's the you know once they're actually in a conversation, so the actual sales framework, which is really what we've been talking about mostly up until now yep. uh, in, in this conversation. The, the, the second thing is, is helping them to get clearer on their message so that, so that people see what it is that they do 
as a as an opportunity at, at the front end in either what they're writing or what they're saying. But the the third thing is is how to go direct to the people that you would ideally love to work with but aren't coming to you through your existing marketing efforts. Mm -hmm. So in most cases, the conversation with, with clients goes like this. It's like, okay, well, um, how, many, how many what you would term dream clients do you have right now? And, and most people will say, oh, well, I've, I've got one or two. Most, most businesses will say, yeah, we've got one or two really good, you know, good dream clients. And it's like, okay, great. Are there more like that? that you would ideally like to have? And the, and, the, and the answer to that question is, yeah, absolutely. And then the third question is, do you have a list of them? And they might ha actually have a documented list of them or mm -hmm. there might just be a mental list of them. You know, that, yep. uh, yeah, of course there are, you know, there are people that we would ideally like to work with but that we're not currently dealing with. And then the next question is, okay, well, how, you know, how are you currently making them aware that you exist? Mm. And, the, and the answer to that question is either one, we're cold calling them Yep. Or two, we're cold emailing them. Or three, yeah. we're cold emailing them and then we're cold calling them. Yeah. And unfortunately, when that happens, you, you, if you cold call someone, you are, are immediately lumped into the mental category as the, the Indian gentleman that calls you at 7 p.m. at night and suggests <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that you should, that, that, um, that immediately says that he's not ringing to sell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> And then suggests that you should change telephone carriers. Yeah, yep. And, and when you cold email someone, you are immediately lumped into the same category as Kumar, who um, has has emailed you unsolicited yeah. and and tells you that he can get you on the first page of the Google. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> of the Google. That's so, it. Yeah. Or we can get you on the first page of the Google. <laughs> and so, Sorry. So Sorry to my Indian friends. I have a lot of Indian friends. I'm just just yeah. clear. But unfortunately, right. that that's what happens. Well, because that that's that's the that's the neuro association that people have with yep. cold it calling is. and cold yep. emailing. You know, yep. no matter how how you want to slice it, or you know, yeah, no matter it. no matter that's if it. anyone tries to to um accuse you of being racist, that that is the reality. Exactly. If so, the calls were coming from Russia, I'd be saying. We'd like you to come on to <laughs> yeah, from Victor. <laughs> so that was German. That was German. Sorry, Russian. Russian people. Terrible accents. Oh, Brendan, you are very unattractive man. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, thank you for thank you for saying it, Brendan. <laughs> no, I think Brent, Brendan just sounded better than Ed. <laughs> uh, I'll pay you later, John. Thank you. Sorry. In, in in Russian, Brendan sounds better than Ed. Anyway, um, yeah, you're dead right. Actually, good. Sorry. <laughs> So we got sidetracked there. Sorry. Continue. So, yes, cold calling is uh, is not good either. Yeah. In most so, cases. so in most cases, um, they, they're the only two options that people have, or that they that they're aware of. And and the second thing is that those those dream clients aren't actively beating a path to their door. So yeah. what I what I help people to do is to build a package of information that's presented in either print or audio or video. Mm -hmm. And we send that as a package to the client prior to contact. Yep. And so just this morning, I've got a client who's, who's just begun a campaign. He, he helps companies that are in uh, trades, so, mm -hmm. so companies, uh, businesses that are trades, construction, 
manufacturing and service-based business owners, and he helps them to get from a million dollars up to sort of three, four, and, and five mil. And yep. he's just, just this week kicked off his campaign. He sent out 15 packs. He's got a girl who is, is following up on his behalf to make an appointment. He's uh, out of six conversations, oh, sorry, six calls, um, three left a voicemail message. Of the other three, they had two conversa- uh, three conversations. Two, the pack hadn't rocked up yet. <laughs> yep. Um, and one, the pack had rocked up and she's made an appointment. So that's one out of three conversations that have resulted in, in, a, in a conversation with, uh, in, a, in an appointment with his target client. So this, this client's doing $3 million per year. Yep. And he's now, now got an appointment. The, the other one that I was telling Ed about was uh, a client who, they're in the tech space. So what we did is we put an interview, like an audio interview, on an MP3 player and presented it beautifully in this alloy box with their logo on it and sent that out with a, with a printed free report. They sent out four because we did, a, we did an engagement strategy with their existing client base and they were flat out. So they managed to get four out and had one person call them. Right. So it's just a, a cool. it's a, people think that the whole going direct thing is, is, is painful and they, you know, they, they, they're often turned off because of the terrible results they get through telemarketing and cold email. And those things, you know, even though they're ineffective, they, they, they do work on, on very small percentages, but it's just, it's brain damage in terms of the time that you've got to invest in it to get a result. So if you can have your reputation show up in someone's hands prior to your call, they sound totally different on the phone. Completely. Different scenario altogether. So yeah. so that's fantastic. So what did it cost other than obviously you know, your consulting and putting it all together is, is the key component to that, but the actual material cost of putting something like that together we didn't, it didn't well, sound like it was a lot when we spoke. So no, well, with with um, with the MP3 players, um, the MP3 player which comes with headphones, um, the USB cord, the alloy tin with the die cut foam that the MP3 player sits in, yeah, uh, in the tin, those things are sixteen bucks per unit. Jeez. The, yeah, it's like, and it looks like a, it literally looks like an iPod shuffle. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very, very in your face, impressive looking thing that arrives in the mail. It's it, not just it, a flat, it's not flat mail. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. There's, and the, you mail. know what? There's, there is no way it's going in the bin. Yeah. This, yeah. This, and this rocks up to a, to a, one of your target clients, you know, one that can change the game. And look, you know, it, it only takes one client to, to change the game for so many businesses. Yeah. Um, this thing's absolutely, there's no way in the world this is going in the bin and, and it sits on their desk and regardless of whether you get a hold of them straight away, it sits on their desk and if you're taking up space on someone's desk, you're taking up space in their brain. <laughs> so true. So true. That's cool. That's cool. So yeah, so that's, yeah, that's a, a very good thing for people to uh, keep in mind if they want to talk to you about getting something like that put together. But so, the, 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 one, the one for the guy that deals with tradies, um, see, the, the, the MP3 was a, was a, a very tech-orientated company. They do like an ERP mm-hmm. software solution. So okay. their, stuff, their stuff needed to be tech. But for, yep. for this other guy, 
his is a free report and a and a and an audio CD that that gets sent in an MP, in a in a DVD case. Okay. So so his you know per unit cost for that is probably about seven or eight bucks plus postage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And do you find now, because sort of DVDs and things are starting to really fade out, a lot of people don't even have DVD players anymore. It's all MP3 stuff. Um, is it? Is there a preference to how you what you would send out, like a like a, a flash file, or did they just get lost? They're not big enough, or what's yeah, they're the story too, there? too small. For, for, yeah. um, thumb drives are too small. Plus, a lot of bigger companies have a policy where they won't let you put a thumb drive into a machine because they've um, they've had so yeah. much drama with viruses. So yeah, just, good it point. Just depends on the target. Like I've got one guy who deals with Coles, Woolworths, and and big big shopping centres, and we put his mess. We, we turned his message into a three minute video, like a professionally produced video, mm-hmm. and we sent his message on an iPad to his targets. So he had wow, twenty yeah. i twenty iPads. Put the put the video on there mailed it to them, and that was how he connected with the people that he wanted to work with. So, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's a fairly significant investment. I suppose they were like, you know, standard entry-level iPads, but still that's like, what, three or 400 bucks a pop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's a... The thing is, a, like, uh, it's about the perceived value as well, right? Like, are you, <laughs> I get these USB key things all the time. I'm like, they just, they nearly go on the bin. I'm like, they're worthless. I don't use USB yeah. keys. We use Dropbox. They have zero perceived value. And I'm not, like, I'm not going to stick this in my, like, I don't use USB keys. I'm not going to go and have a look on it. It's just, it doesn't get my attention, right? It's, it has no, no value. It, it has what I call dimensional significance. Like, if it's, if it's big enough to take up space, yeah, it, it, it's, that, that, that's where, you know, that's when you're in the zone. So, and even more recently, I started working with, um, video brochures and th- and these things you know you can land them for similar type um, money as the mp3 players but it just depends on the on the the client the product offer and and the target as to as to what it is that we put together for them but it's so so when you say a video um, brochure what yeah. so in what format is that getting sent in um it's there's there's these little screens that you can put into into a uh, like a a, a brochure, so it's, oh, so it's yeah. like a little a little uh, LED screen. Yeah, a little bendy, flexible LED. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. and that's the cool. First time I saw this thing, it just absolutely blew my mind. And and I've sourced a, a place now where I can get them done really inexpensively, but they are so impressive. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Yeah. yeah, so you open, you open thing up and you actually, you know, I suppose there's a play button or something, is there? And then, yeah. Uh, and then, and it's got little built in speakers as well so they can hear yep. it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Really cool. Really, just, really I mean, good. At, at the end of the day, I mean, to sort of chunk up, you know, from, from yeah. the sort of, you know, to get away from <laughs> getting geeky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, rather than, yeah, so, so, to, to sort of zoom out, I guess, and go, okay, well, you know, what is, yeah. what's the thing that we're really doing? Yeah, what exactly. We're, what we're really doing is we're we're getting attention, and we're getting mm-hmm. attention by showing up totally differently to anybody else. So n- no one uses direct mail anymore. You know, like the, yeah. the digital path to your dream client is in absolute gridlock. The um, the offline path to your dream client, I mean, you could fire a shotgun down that road. You're not going to hit anyone. 
It's just... I so agree. Absolutely. <laughs> the irony is, you know, we're in the digital space, but we're having more and more conversations like that with, with our clients saying, look, you know, this is sort of like a, a, an empty street in a, you know, just before a gunfight, you know, it's like yeah. there's, there's no one in it. They've all cleared oh. out. Yeah. And uh, you just don't get things in the mail that attract. It's just you get just crap letters in the mail now. Nothing comes through that grabs your attention, which is a complete waste of opportunity. So yeah, I, I absolutely think that's brilliant. Yeah. So that so that, that that's a that's a real that that's been a real game changer for for a lot of people. And and I, you know, to not make anything that you guys are doing redundant. Um, you know, I, I say, look, don't change your your online funnels. Like, keep all that stuff going. This is this is the play to your dream clients that aren't coming to you through your existing marketing efforts. You know, it's a it's yeah. compliment, complementary, of course, to what, yeah. it is, to, to what it is that you do. I mean, there's a events management company that I'm in the in the process of of talking to about this exact strategy, and she was telling me about this one client that they got that they do all of their events for. And before they got this, because it's a pharmaceutical company, a big pharmaceutical company, before they got their business, you know, their business was a particular size. And, and when they won this account, it totally changed their entire business. They were able mm -hmm. to employ uh, double the staff. They were able to move to bigger premises. And these guys have just been an absolute massive, massive amount of business for them. So yeah. it only it only takes one big client and it can just change your entire life. Yeah, yeah, you're dead right, dead right. Well, look, mate, we have been we've been talking now for just on close to fifty minutes. Yep. So we, we we're, we're going to get to the end, and, and then you and I are talking again after on another <laughs> yep. on another episode. So it's a lot of talking today for us. But uh, <laughs> um, I just wanted to mention your book that you have launched. By the time this actual episode comes out, this is probably very good timing because uh, yeah. it's it's launching this week, um, and that's called High Stakes Selling, and that's one uh, you, you've just been working on recently and released. So tell us a little bit about the book. Cool. Well, look, you know, similar to the reason I started the consulting business, you know, I, I essentially, I, I wrote the book that I would ideally love to have had available to me when I first started. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess the other, the other really key thing that I, that I made sure of when I wrote the book is that, is that so many books out there on, I mean, there's just literally hundreds of books out there on sales and I've, I've probably read most of them yeah. or, or, or a decent chunk of them. And, and a lot of them are just really dry. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted mine to be about more about stories with the key lessons that are contained, you know, within each of those stories. So it's, it really is a collection of stories that relate to real things that have, that have happened in my 28 years in sales and, and the lessons that are contained. And then the last four chapters is really, you know, dealing with those three things that, that we talked about, you know, that getting your message right, the direct approach to your, to your dream clients and the actual sales framework. So, Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it was fun to write it and I've had really good feedback so far because people are really engaged by the story factor. Yeah. Storytelling is everything. I mean, that's part of selling, isn't it? Storytelling. Yeah. So, Definitely. so that's, I look forward to, uh, it's on Kindle now, isn't it? You, people can yeah, just yeah. go and get it, it now. It's, in, it's available on Amazon uh, in paperback and also in, uh, through, through Kindle. Yeah. Okay. And you're, are you going to be printing off copies to distribute as well? I'm assuming, uh, or are you just doing, you know, uh, print on demand? How are you sort of dealing with the distribution of a physical copy? 
I am, in fact, uh, I may as well reveal it now because by the time the interview comes out, um, the, the offer will be available. But I'm going to be doing a, if, if people type in highstakeselling.com, Mm-hmm. There will be an opportunity to to get the book, the the paperback version of the book, uh, for just postage. So um, that'll be a physical copy that they'll that they will be able to access. Oh, cool! Yeah, okay. so um, yeah, so that's a bit exciting. But um, but yeah, so you you can you can get it right now on either uh, Kindle or paperback just by going into Amazon and typing in high stake selling. But yep. if you go to highstechselling.com, you can get the, the actual paperback version uh, Fan- and just, just just take care of postage and it's uh, it's all there. Fantastic. So in terms of people getting in touch with you, um, first of all, you know, <laughs> there's lots of different people you've worked with over the years, but you, you would obviously have your ideal clients. Who is it you prefer to work with, you know? Who, who's, who are the type of businesses out there that you really resonate with that you, you'd love for people to contact you that sort of ring those businesses? Well, we we kind of talked about them before, you know. That I guess the people that are that are that have a particular area of expertise that that they're good at, and mm. and they haven't necessarily spent a lot of time getting really good at the sales process. So you know, people who are selling professional services, uh, I, I recently have been working with a lot of clients that are selling software, so computer software. Um, is is an area that's growing that I've been helping a lot of companies to yep. connect connect with their ideal clients. Sort of SaaS um, type products as well. So yeah, yes. Yeah. So, okay. uh, you know, there's a, a a company that I'm working with that has, I, I guess, the the zero version of a um, a property management uh, software solution that's in the cloud. Okay. So I'm I'm doing some work with them. Cool. Um, people who pr- primarily people who sell business to business. Anyone who's got a sales team that are selling yeah. wholesale. Um, you know that, that they tend to be the companies that I've that I've been able to help help Fan- the most. Fantastic, and they can get in touch with you uh, at your email. So, would you prefer John at john Best email for you. Yep, yep. They can they can email me on that, or if uh, they can't remember that because they're driving along, I can just punch in John Blake Sales into Google into the mm-hmm. Google <laughs> into the Google. And, uh, and uh, and and up will come probably my LinkedIn profile and and my website. Fantastic, uh, Bre- Brendan. Anything you would like to say to John before we finish? No, I think we've covered everything. Right? It's a long episode. Yeah, but worthy of a long episode, in my humble opinion. Maria's was long too. It must be these two guys. They know each other, so they just you know. <laughs> they we, just colluded. Like, we colluded. We colluded to do an extra long uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, as long as it doesn't go over an hour, look, the hour's sort of like the, the limit, then you've really got to start splitting them. So we're, we're still yeah. under that. So, uh, yeah, thank you, mate. I really appreciate Pleasure. your time. You shared some great information. Certainly would have got some people's ideas thinking about ways to, to start approaching some of their harder-to-reach uh, um, ideal clients. Uh, so, But they can contact you to help get help with that as well. So... Um, I look forward to speaking to you soon on your podcast. We're going to hang up from this and then do that one. (laughs) Awesome. Unreal. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.